Hello, I'm Jeff Johnston. Welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. Uh, I have a special guest today. For those of you following, uh, I say my journey, but our journey. Um, uh, a while back, I took the idea to write a book. And uh, this one's for you, An Inspirational Journey Through Addiction, Death, and Meaning. Became a labor of love for me for a year of my life. And in this studio, in my basement, is where I wrote the book. After I had it written, I decided I needed a publicist, somebody to help me get the word out. Um, and that was when I was introduced to Dennis Welch. And today, Dennis is my guest, but really not from a publicist perspective. Believe it or not, he's also a songwriter and recording artist. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and the evolution of his years in the business. And uh, I'm excited to have him on. Him and I, we've spent hours and hours and hours on the phone talking about many, many, many different topics and uh, I respect and admire his friendship. And with that, Dennis, uh, maybe tell our listeners why I drug you on the Living Undeterred podcast. <laughs> well, first of all, you, you didn't drag me on here. <laughs> you know, I I, I, <laughs> I said that to everyone. I, I by love the way. You, I love you, man. And you know what? You're I love what you're doing. And I and I'm and I'm I'm actually when you started talking about this, uh, I thought, wait a minute, I, I'm living undeterred. Uh, I maybe we should talk. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I'm really I'm delighted yeah, to be here, Jeff. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, and you know, again, uh, I met you through the uh, a business transaction, being my publicist, and then from there things kind of evolved, and now you're you've got some exciting stuff going personally. But before we get into what you're doing now. Maybe go back and talk a little bit about, you know, I read your bio again to kind of refresh my memories. I've known you for well over a year. Um, you started everything as a songwriter and a recording artist, and then you got into working with the Gallup organization, getting into a lot of, um, a lot of writing and things like that, news stuff. And now you're full circle back to being to where you started this whole journey. So let's fill in the gaps in between. So you started your career as a professional career as a songwriter and a recording artist is that correct that's correct and and i and what happened was i um you know i i start i've always been a word guy okay so that's that's the if there's a if there's a common theme here it is that i i've, I've always i've always been a lover of words i could read before i started school uh they wanted to start me in the third grade and my mother said no because he already likes to play sports and so uh, he didn't want to play against you know guys older than him, so uh, so let's you know let's start him in the first grade and let's make some some uh, adjustments. And so the first day of the first grade, and this was significant. The principal, Miss McRee, who was a very austere person, she came down to my my first grade class, and the and the reading circle was about to form, and she came and got me, and she said, "Hey, Dennis, come with me." And I thought I was already in trouble. You know, and so uh, <laughs> yeah. and so she took me by the hand and she took me to the library. Well, this is an inner city school in Houston, and I and I, I you know I grew up in the inner city. I, I'd never been to a library, and so <clears throat> she walked me into the library. I'll never forget it, you know. And it was profound, you know. This big, it looked like a huge library, and all of these books, you know. And we walked over to the other side, and she turned around. She was still holding my hand, and she said, "Now listen." you don't need a reading circle. You already read. You already read at a very high level. And she said, and so <clears throat> when the when the reading circle forms, just come down here and um, 
just excuse yourself very politely. Come down here, and you can choose any book you want in the library. You can read for an hour. Well, you know, that was amazing because what that did is it made me fall in love with books. So I started, in, before I got out of right. elementary school, I'd read, you know, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo and, and you know, the Mickey Mantle story, all the works of Mark Twain and all of this stuff. Well, where that went, Jeff, is it went to, I mean, at some point in my late teen years, I, I just started writing songs, and I was like, where in the world is this coming from? I, I didn't even play an instrument at the time. And so uh, so I went out and got a musical what, instrument, what type, got a of, what type of music? What type of music were you writing? Well, originally, it was kind of gospel-y music. You know, I grew up in the church, and uh, but, but then after I did my first record, uh, the second record was more of a rock record album and it was played kind of everywhere it was played on album rock radio it was played on you know christian rock radio even though it was not really a christian rock record and um and so i got right to the cusp of being uh of of, of what happens you know I, I was on the cusp of a big record deal and all that but i had never toured mm -hmm. the way the big guys tour right and i so we had two young right. sons at the time and i get a call one day and again, this was one of those events that uh, you can't make happen. They just do. Um, I get a call, right. and uh, uh, this manager of this band said, hey, my band's going out with Billy Squire uh, on tour, you know, and we need a technician, and here's what it pays, and, you know, I know you need the money, and so uh, so would you, would you go with mm -hmm. them and do this? And so... Um, so I did, and I lasted about three weeks is all. Every day, the road manager would come in and say, hey, we've added 10 more dates to the tour. And, you know, I was thinking, that's 10 more days i got to call my kids and say, right. I, I don't know when I'm going to be home. And so, anyway, I got all the way to Salt Lake City, and um, I called the manager, and I said, listen, man, I can't do this. And he said, well, he goes, look, I love you. And he goes, sometimes the ladder of success is against the wrong wall. And so why don't yeah. you come home, yep. you know, and think about what you want to do with your life. But whatever you do, please don't stop writing songs because you're a great songwriter. And I right. hope you'll always do that. Right. So, so I came home and I went to work for the Gallup organization first as a telephone interviewer. And, you know, it was right when the company was changing from being a, a very well-known but not very profitable polling company to the big consulting yeah. juggernaut they became, you know, with the big selling, million-selling books and all that. So it was a great time to be there. Right. So I started there, and then I and then they asked me to be a manager, which I thought was a joke. And I, I wound up managing one of their interviewing centers, and uh, and then they found out I spoke Spanish, and so I started Spanish interviewing at Gallup. And then uh, after I got my MBA, they said, you know what, we need writers. Would you like to be a writer? And I'm, well, yeah. So so I did a little bit of everything with them, uh, and it was all at a very high level, and it was it was so enjoyable. And then after 13 years of that. Uh, I, and I got to work with John Maxwell. I got to had all these amazing things happen. Um, I just knew it was time to leave, and I wasn't even sure what that meant exactly, you know. And so, uh, so I left to to go to work for the publicist who broke all of those big Gallup books. And um, I was with her for five uh -huh. years, and then I started my company about ten years ago. And so, uh, and all that time, Jeff, I never stopped writing. I never stopped writing songs. I wrote a couple That's of That's what books. I was going to ask you. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Dennis, is yeah. that this whole time at Gallup and the time you were kind of, you, I assume you were still writing and, and, and recording and playing and those type of things, because once it's in your blood, no matter what you're doing to collect a paycheck, you're still being pulled back to that, that area of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And people, you know, people don't always understand when you're kind of feel called to something. You know, like, what are you doing? You know, Dancing with the Stars is on. You know, what are you doing in your room and they're trying to figure out one lyric or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, but I never stopped. And I would occasionally, you know, make a commercial recording and put it out for the few people that cared. Um, and, um, and then I've been in this, you know, my own publicity business, book publicity business for about 10 years now. And... Um, and, I, you know, I mean, the joke is that I'm on Medicare now <laughs> and uh, and here I am <laughs> 18 months ago. Uh, I mean, I started toward having a, a hit song sung by another artist. Uh, it became a number one song. And uh, and and now I'm doing my own record and that whole story. We'll get to that. But so that's, you know, a lot of it is just is what your show is about. You know, I never felt deterred. I never had a lot of naysayers around me. Um, I always had encouragers who were honest encouragers, you know, that would say, you know what, I don't think you should do this. But, you know, but mostly they said, yeah, if that's what you think you're supposed to do, how can right. I help you do it? And, you know, most of us, I think, Jeff, don't have enough um you know, positive uh, helpers around us, and we can never have enough of those. You know, it's um, when you find uh, a passion in your life, or as I say uh, with my situation, that a lot of what I'm doing today is passion-driven because of a personal event that's happened to me. So mm -hmm. you find your purpose. You know, your purpose becomes your passion when it, be when it gets personal. Well, I've had two close people I loved immensely die in four and a half years. And so it's propelled me into this realm of learning and growing and talking. And I started the Living Undeterred Project. And then we have this massive project next summer that uh, I'm. by the time this plays, it will be already announced. It's called the Living Undeterred U.S. Tour 2022. And I bought a 36-foot RV and I'm going to every state in the United States for 92 days and I'm meeting with people on mental health, substance abuse and addiction and we're going to raise over a million dollars of which half we're giving back to our venues that's, that sponsor us, that support us and the other half is going into my nonprofit, which my nonprofit came from the result of my son dying from a heroin overdose. So mm -hmm. all this stuff kind of, I, I was talking to my, I was talking to my key staff person today that's helping me run this project, Molly, which you know, you know Molly, she's awesome. Mm -hmm, I sure and do. I said, you know, all this, all this came from my son's poor decision to think heroin was a good decision to put in his arm, or at least not a good decision, but, but didn't have the ability to say no. And it was laced with fentanyl and he died. And then subsequently, my wife's grieving process, again, um, wasn't beneficial for her uh, to, to, to um, increase her well-being and so forth. So. I've had two people in my life that by, by virtue of, of some choices that they made, um, that grief and trauma and things that they had inside of them built and they're both gone. And so, bam, all of a sudden my path was cleared in front of me. And I, sure. I'm wondering, did you have something, did you have something in your life, Dennis, that kind of cleared the path for you that you said, this is what I want to do because boom, you know? 
I'm just curious. Well, for, first of all, there's a statistic out there, and I think you and I have talked about this before. Uh, uh, for about 30 years, the Gallup organization has asked a question as part of their Q12, their engagement study they do in companies. And the question is, at work, I get to do what I do best every day. Only one person in five answers yes to that question. That means 80% of us wow. are just doing stuff, right? And so, uh, and part of it is that there's, as you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a fear of failure that says, listen, I don't want to go too far out on the limb here because if this doesn't work, what am I going to do? Well, I always had the opposite right. reaction to that. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I can fix failure, but I can't fix regret. I, you know, like when the when the music business, when I realized I couldn't tour like that because my kids were little, it felt like failure at the time. And I was in my 30s, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to be homeless right. or something, right? But 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 that wasn't true at all. But but here's right. what here's what it turned out to be. It turned out to be a gateway because look, you only have two choices. And what you and Steve Grant, our friend Steve Grant, others have done with with tragedy is the yep. opposite of what most people do, Jeff, and you know that. Most people don't. They when, the, when right. this happens, yeah, they do. just get stuck, right? And they're and they and they have a hard time believing that there's anything better out there for them, and so they just stop. And what y'all've done, what you both have done and, and others is you've taken this what's it is awful. There's no question about it. But said, "Look, you know what? I have to do I have to make something out of this. I, it can't be for nothing." And uh, and that's and that's if you have that attitude, you know, I think life sort of brings into your path that the things that you should be doing if you're looking for it, if you're under your desk sucking your thumb because something bad happened to you, you know what, then you're probably not going to see it. And so I, I feel like yeah. I've always been blessed uh, to be able to recognize, uh, oh, Oh, that's that's where I'm supposed to be, and and part of it is my spirituality. I pray about these things and all that. I feel like I'm I feel like I hear sort of in my spirit what I'm supposed to do. But uh, but you still have to be brave enough to go. Okay, let's go try this. And it's helped to be married to a woman who is who is fearless. Uh, that says, okay, if that's where you think we should be, let's go. And you you know, Susie, you've met you've yeah. dealt with her, and she's awesome. Yeah. And I couldn't have yeah. done it without her. So yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any, I mean, you mentioned your, your, yeah, it did, it did, it did. Um, but you, you mentioned your, your, your strength in, in God and spirituality and all that. And, and I've known you for a short while. I know that's a, a, a guiding light for you, um, yes. to, to, you know, deal with tough times and to give you some inspiration. I listened to, um, to kind of jump ahead a little bit about, the music you're writing and sorry, that was a fly that flew by. So, <laughs> um, and I, I do see a lot of the gospel. I do see the gospel, uh, angle to it. The, the words are very uplifting, very inspirational. Uh, why not me is a, is a, the song I think you're referring to that, um, you know, I think my listeners need to certainly listen to, and it's quite an uplifting song and the lyrics are, are great. So you, you wrote the lyrics and a friend of yours sang the song. Is that correct? Yeah, so so what happened was, and this is one of those things where you you know I call them divine appointments, you know, where somebody just shows up and you go, wow, that's I couldn't have made that happen, right? So so I wrote this song, why not me? And I wrote it on the piano, which I normally don't do, 
and because I don't really play piano, I just sort of tinker around on the piano. But this song just came, and and one night Susie was walking past my door, and she my writing room door, and she pushed it open. She goes, "Okay, that's enough. I don't want to hear this anymore <laughs> through the door. I want to hear. I want to hear it." And so she sat down on my piano bench with me, and I played it for her and sang it. And she said, she turned to me and she said, you know, this is the best work. This is your best work. This is your best song. And you have to figure out what to do with it. Well, I've never really known what to do with these songs. I've always hoped that other people would sing them. That's my that's my goal. Right. I don't need to be a rock star, right. right? I just need to have a place to put these where they can make a difference in the world. So Anyway, fast right. forward, in January, I went out of that year, 2020, I went out to see Steve Grant, our friend Steve Grant, and we, we drove out, and yep. we were driving back through Nashville, and I was sitting uh, in a Mexican restaurant with a, a, a guy by the name of Rich Herring. I've known Rich a long time. He plays in Little River Band. He's, a, he's, a, an, he's an amazing mm. guy. He's a Georgia farm boy who came to Nashville. He learned how to do everything. He's a producer. He's a world-class guitar player. He can do it all. So anyway, we're sitting there, and his wife and kids and Susie are at the other end of the table, and he said, hey, what are you working on? Because I know you're always working on something. And I said, well, um, I've got this song that Susie says is the best thing I've ever written, and I said, I really don't know what to do with it. And he goes, well, why don't you sing it to me? And so I said, here in the restaurant? And he goes, right now, just sing it to me. And so I just started singing. There's a mountain wide and high. I just started singing, right? And I get to the first chorus and the and the the first verse, and he puts his hand up and he stops me and he goes, okay, you know I'm supposed to help you with this. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you let me produce the demo. And I said, well, do you want some hotshot Nashville? You know, sing her to sing on it, or do you want me to sing on it? And he goes, no, I want you to sing on it. This is your song. And so we hmm. he does the tracks. He sends them down to Austin like you can do now. And I went in the studio, and I cut the vocals and all this. And, and so he mixes it and sends oh, it back that, to me. That's you singing it then. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and so when you hear it on the record, awesome. the record awesome. that's, that's going to be out there, that's me. So... So, but what happened was okay. the the hit, the hit that's out there is not me because I haven't released it yet. The record's not even out. But so, uh, so I sent that demo out to five people is all. And one of them is a Nashville veteran, owns a record company. He's a, he's a producer and all that. And, uh, in about 10 minutes he called me and he said, Hey man, uh, I'm not a religious person but I do believe in God. And he said, 30 seconds into this song, I felt like God had sent it to me. And he goes, I wish you'd let me be the first person to cut it. I think there's going to be a lot of famous people that cut it, and I'm not one of those, but I promise right. you I'll take good care of it, right? And so what he's done is he's taken the right. song. It's being played a thousand times a week. He's done a, a video that honors first responders and, and a lot of great stuff that's happened, Jeff. And it's like, I didn't make that happen. It just was time, you know, and uh, and so from that, Rich came back to me and said, wow, you know, I love what we did together. Can we do another song? And so we did another song and we liked it so much. He goes, OK, let's make a record. He has a record company. And so now I've got a record coming out on World Records yeah. uh, September the 1st. And uh, it's really it's just amazing, man. I'm like, you know what? I'm 
a lot of my friends are retiring and stuff, and I feel like I'm just getting started again, you know? So I know. It's cool. Isn't that, isn't that funny how, um, you know, persistency and that undeterred mindset, you know, someone could say, well, this was fate, it was destiny. Well, you created the fate and the destiny by doing what you did and writing hundreds and hundreds of songs over, over four decades. And yeah. it's no accident that this song now is, has, has made it, that, that one that may get you to another level. It may not. Um, but the simple fact that this happened just is proof, again, like many people we meet every day, especially on my Living on a Terror journey, that, you know, more times than not, persistency, focus, resiliency, yep. undeterred, all that stuff um, will certainly... You know, when I say pay dividends, I don't mean financial dividends. I mean, give you a more increased sense of accomplishment and well-being, you know, as, as and you talk about retirement. Listen, I'm in the investment business. This is what I do. And I'm retired now from my from my previous life because now I'm doing living on a third full time. But, you know, in, in my 31 years of being a financial professional, we met many people, Dennis, that had plenty of money, but were miserable people. They weren't happy. You know, right. and there's a combination yeah. there where you got to have your quality, your quality of life, your sense of well-being, your sense of worth, along with the financial aspects certainly help. Yeah. You know, I, I'm working on a book called Redefining Success, and it's about that very thing about, you know, uh, I have a I have a friend, uh, uh, a Hall of Fame songwriter in Nashville, and we, we actually wrote a song that's on this record called called uh, Worth My Time. And uh, and I asked him one day, I said, are you really better? Are you really that much better than everybody who comes to town and doesn't make it? Or you think you're that much better? And he goes, no, I'm not. He goes, but I'm still here. I, I've been here 30 years. And yes, it's been frustrating sometimes, but I never thought about leaving. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's There's something to that, right. Jeff. You know, that the idea that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're supposed to be here... Um, the, the difficulties honestly they they just look different they feel different it's like they're not they're not the things that stop you in some ways they're the things that drive you you know uh, and that's how you know you're in your calling absolutely and, in your spot. and I right yeah I mean when I look at you and I what we're doing is we enjoy what we do I get up my Monday's like my favorite day of the week now I, I enjoy writing and doing my blogs and, and working on my next book and working on traveling the United States for three months next year, stopping in every single state, all the stories, all the Steve Grants I'm going to meet, you know, all the, yeah. all the Jeff Johnstons, the people that have dealt with trauma, all the people that have, um, have been dealt some very unfortunate things. Maybe they were, they were born disabled or mentally you know, challenged, but, but yet they're CEOs of companies. They've raised families. They've, become good neighbors, good, good sons and daughters. And it's like, there's so many people out there like that. And part of what I kind of fell into, or I like to say death gave me an opportunity. You know, death is a very efficient teacher. Um, it can really teach you a lot. And it taught me gratitude and reverence and being in awe of the life that I have. And so I look ahead of my life and I think the people I'm going to meet the next few years are going to be amazing. You know, and just the people I met in the last, well, just since Seth died in four and a half years, 
My, right. I'm, I hate to say this because people, people, people will take this the wrong way, but I am a better man today after what I've been through. And better, again, is subjective. What I mean by that, I am more, I'm more appreciative of every breath I take. I'm mm-hmm. more in complete, complete awe of the concept of love with my parents that are still here, my brothers. Um, I love the, the great marriage I had before my wife passed away. Um, so many good things have happened, but yeah, sure, I had some bad things, but so have you. So 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 is everybody. And and no right, one gets through this whole deal. No one gets through this whole game, Dennis, unscathed. No, that's right. That's right. And you and look, the other thing I'll just say is that, you know, uh, one of the things about being undeterred is that it gives you a chance to see miraculous stuff that you wouldn't see if you're walking in the safe paths. You know, my, uh, right. uh, I'll, I'll give you one example. So, so uh, years ago, uh, my youngest son had some issues and he wound up in jail. Okay. And I remember you telling I, me that. Yeah. And, and I went to see him. I was all, I was going down to the Harris County jail to see him. And it was just, and I, and you know, and I, I was just, it was just miserable. It was like a third world country mm-hmm. there. They're, they're checking you and yep. they're scanning you and you're all this yep. anyway. So, so one day he comes in and sits down. We got the little glass between us. And I just felt like it was time to say this. And it was very hard for me to say because I'm very tenderhearted. It broke me in pieces. But I said, listen, you know what? I love you, son. Uh, and I'll take a bullet for you. But, uh, but I'm not going to come back here. And you can call me anytime. I'll do anything. But you, I'm not coming back here to see you because I don't want you to think that this is right. normal life because it's not. And so, so, so let get your life together and then let me help you in any way I can, but I'm not coming back here. And so I went home, I was yeah. just torn up about it. Right. And so I went home and I sat down and I wrote, did what I do. You know, I wrote a song that's the title track for this new album. It's called what love makes us do. And it, it's, it's about the right. sacrifices that we make. People talk about love. They hardly ever talk about sacrifice, right? And so, so here's what happened. Mm-hmm. This is just one miracle. So, so when we got, we were working on this record. Rich calls me up and says, "So what's next?" And I said, "Well, I have this song. I've never sung it in public, as far as I know, and I don't really know what to do with it. But it feels like the title song that it's the thing." That, that ties all this music together on this record and is called What Love Makes Us Do. And so I sent it over to him uh, and he asked me, he said, so what do you want this song to be like? I said, well, I don't know what to even tell you, like a movie and it needs to set a mood. And it was kind of not, it was, wasn't very helpful, right? And so he sends me back a basic track that was so beautiful. And, uh, and then... He sent it to one of Nashville's top, uh, like one percenter uh, studio guys, Mike Rojas, and he and he tells Mike, "Hey, he kind of wants it to be like a movie." Kind of told him what I said, right? And then during during all the snowmageddon stuff in Texas in the fall, or I mean in the spring uh, and kind of winter when all our lights were out, uh, I I get this track back on my phone, and. It is just heartbreaking, beautiful. And here's the crazy part. You know, I called Rich and I said, how did you guys do this? Because this is what I heard 12 years ago when I wrote the song. 
and I didn't know how to make it sound like this. And you, you, this guy out there who doesn't even know me sat down at the right. piano and he did this thing, you know? So look, that kind of stuff, you know, you're having it all the time. You, you're, you're going to have, wait, wait till you take this three month trip. You know, you're going to be reporting in every right. day and saying, wow, how in the world right. did this happen? Right? right. And and the only way that happens is if you're right. there. Right. You you, you got to do it. And you can't you right. can't let yourself be stopped because it's difficult or it hurts. Uh, it's emotionally difficult. It's like all that's just part of the deal. Just just keep walking. And and it's amazing what you see out there uh, that you can't see from inside your safe spot. It's interesting you say that because I've got a quote now I just started saying is I'm living undeterred, not living untested. Right. Yes, and great. what I, I mean I by that. that, what I, yeah, it is. So, so it's, you know, I, living undeterred is not avoiding or blocking out. It's simply I, I'm tested. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I had a very difficult weekend in unpacking my wife's uh, boxes. She had seven boxes that, you know, I hadn't looked at these things in years and. The first box was my son and everything I dug in there and finding letters he wrote to me and letters my other two boys wrote to him when he was in prison. I called him boxes of doom and then I'd get to the next box and it'd be our wedding pictures and our pictures of our children being born and vacations to Europe. And, you know, and I I didn't, I wasn't prepared. I skipped my meditation and I skipped my exercise for a week and I, I, I paid it. I paid a price for that, Dennis, in that the lesson of this wasn't, the contents of the box that sent me off, it was the contents of this box. And I wasn't prepared for what I knew, what I knew was in the boxes was gonna be upsetting, but by skipping my meditation for a week, I wasn't ready. And now I can go through those boxes. I I meditated, I added 10 minutes, so I do 20 minutes every morning. I can handle all that stuff now. I I don't tie the emotional weight and baggage onto my thoughts like I used to. I, I less identifying with my thoughts is the way that I put it. Well, and look, if you're supposed to be doing something, uh, uh, all of the ancillary things around you, I hate to say this, they have nothing to do with what you wake up every day and go do. They, they shouldn't. Right. You know, if you let them in and they stop you, that's a different issue. You need to deal with that. But, I mean, if you're waiting for... Uh, you know, in my case, as a songwriter, just think how much heartbreak there is in songwriting and, you know, people who don't get what you do. And oh, I know. Publish, publishers saying, I don't really understand what right. you're doing and all that stuff. And you know what? I don't care what they think. You know, I'm doing the right. things that I'm here for. And if at the end of the day, you know, uh, I leave this world and I've done things that I think are beautiful and that matter, then all of that stuff, even though it was difficult, it didn't keep me from writing 500 songs. And, you know, that's what you're doing. I mean, you're, I, when you talk about this stuff, it tickles me because your face, your facial expression changes. You obviously are right in the center of where you're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, when you talk yeah. about going out and doing this and your books and, and all the things you're doing, I mean, it's clear that you're there where you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And and like I say, uh, that's not the choice a lot of people make. A lot of people choose to do something else. And and I, right. I, I'm a, I, I, wor- I, I think I don't want to get to the end of my life and let my circumstances determine what I become, right? 
Absolutely. I, I like that. I like that. And, and music has been a huge part of my therapy. Um, now, I, I happen to be a heavy metal guy, so that's Iron Maiden and, and those type of bands. I grew up in the 80s, and so I, to me, I can turn on a heavy metal album, and it, it brings out those feelings that maybe a country western song or a gospel song does to somebody else. And that's the beauty of music is yeah. it's whatever works for you. And that's why there's so many different that's why there's so many different types of music out there. Um, that's right. Is that there's so many different types of humans. And yeah, I had a, you'll have to go listen to you'll have to go listen to Maddie Renner. She was a guest on my podcast a few weeks ago. She is an up-and-coming star. She's from our high school up here. She's my business partner's daughter. She went to Belmont University in, in Nashville, Nashville. And she right. graduated with one of the top... She got one of the biggest honors at Belmont in their music uh, uh, writing program and stuff. And she is now in L.A. Matter of fact, Brock's driving her out this week as I speak. And she's going to be recording professionally and writing out in L.A. right now. And she's only 23 and she wow. she is awesome, but I have to I bring this up because I bring this up for this point, Dennis. Is I told her the other day, I said, Maddie, I can't I can't go to your concerts anymore. I can't listen to your music. And she's like, Why? And I go, Because I cry every damn song. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> right. It just yeah. it just pulls at it. It does. It just it kills me. But it's like a drug. It's like I love music like that that brings you to your knees and makes you cry because. Sure. That's what really a good song should do. A really good song should touch your soul. Yeah, it should. Songwriters should be saying for you what you can't say for yourself. And uh, the best, well the best ones that we know, the best ones that we know and love, you know, the Paul Simons and James Taylors, and you know, you name them, Iron Maiden. You know, they're saying stuff for you that yeah. you couldn't say for yourself, and it's a, it's a, it's an right. amazing kind of. Uh, uh, it's mystical is what it is. I think. Yeah. Um, so your new album's coming out or your first, this is, is this your very first album. You've done lots of songs, but is this your first album? No, no. I, I saw, I, so I've done four other records that are, that are available finally. Cause I, I'm a terrible self promoter. I can do it for you all day long, but, uh, I finally have all four <laughs> of my previous records, you know, out there, on all the streaming services and all that stuff, but it's been 20 years since the last record, and I had wow. no intention, by the way, of doing another commercial recording, and um, and so it will it will hit all the streaming services and you know Amazon and Apple and all that stuff uh, around September one. And let me just add one kind of crazy okay. thing, okay? So why not me? Tony Mantor's version of Why Not Me made the Grammy ballot early on. Did you know this? And it was it was in Song I, yeah, of I the Year. Yeah, I think you told me that, yeah. And Country Song of the Year. I, you know what? I, when that happened, I'm like, this is this is like a joke, you know? I, I mean, I, I'm on Medicare. <laughs> did I mention that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> it's, but it's very, it's very cool. And, uh, and so we're excited about this new record. We just finished the last two songs yesterday. Uh, and okay. uh, I got the mixes yesterday, and I, I tell you, it's um, I'm very happy with. It. That's all I can say. I'm just delighted with it. So, well, you're it's only what you're love only makes as old us as you do. Think, you're only as old as you think you are, Dennis. You know, that's that's a good yeah, way to look at it. I I, I agree with that. My you know I, I'm uh, I, I and I feel 25 or 30 most of the time, but I hope I'm making better decisions. 
So something so, I wanted to ask you about too. We haven't talked about the book, the books that you wrote. So why don't you tell tell our listeners, our followers, a little bit about some of the books that you've written? Well, I always intended to write a book, especially when I fell in love with books. But uh, but I but you know, my, a few years ago, I was asked to write a series of short stories for the Houston Chronicle, and uh, maybe fifteen or twenty years ago now. And I and I wrote a I wrote a story about my mother. Uh, she would take us, my two older brothers and I, to shop for our school clothes uh, at the secondhand stores. And, uh, you know, because we were kind of poor. And so she would put her hand on whoever's in the front seat when we get to the parking lot of these places. And she would say, listen, don't feel bad about shopping in these kind of places because a lot of rich people shop here. And so the, the short yeah. story was about how that as I got older, I realized that my mother, if the definition of wealth is is great friends, uh, a great mission in life, uh, and and uh, uh, you know a great name, she's one of the wealthiest people that I know. Uh, and so it turned out my mother still never told me a lie. Rich people really did yeah. shop there. Well, there was this huge reaction to it, and so they want to know more about her. And she's a very funny, accidentally funny woman. And so. Anyway, and so I, I said, Mom, listen, I'm going to write a book about our family, and I want to meet you every Saturday at your house, and I'm going to bring a recorder, and I'm going to spend two hours, and I'm just going to interview you, and then I'm going to write that story. And so uh, so Rich People Shop Here, the book is out. Uh, it came out uh, right before, about five years before Mom passed away, and uh, she was able, we had a big bash, a book release bash, and uh, it was amazing, and um, and so uh, and then I wrote a book about uh, seven or eight years ago called "So What Are You Saying?" about the magic of choosing the right words and how to do that and stuff. And then and then I've got some other things working now. I've got a children's book that will go with "Why Not Me," uh, and it'll come out probably in the oh, fall cool. sometime. Yeah, and so it so I, you know what I I, I feel like I I continue to put stuff in front of myself to do. Uh, that I think are important that I, I want to get done before I go, you know, down the road, whenever that is. And, uh, and so, um, so there's at least probably, and the book about success, I'm definitely want to put that out next year. So anyway, I love it. And I, I don't know how many people will buy it, but I've heard just like your book, I'm sure you've heard from people. What's uh... it's a beautiful thing about books and I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, what's what's next i guess for you what's the next project that you're going to be working on well for myself uh this record right now is just going to be sort of all all in kind of thing you know and then um uh and and that's uh, you know and then i honestly and then i'm gonna and then as soon as the record comes out uh rich and i are going to start to work on the next one because i've got hundreds of songs and i and i think i've got some good. pretty good ones and so uh, and so we'll do that. And then, uh, and then, like I say, probably the children's book in the fall. And I'm also, uh, my, my kids and my grandchildren are, have asked me uh, to do a book of, of lyrics because of all, you know, and explain a little bit about what, you know, what was I thinking when I wrote this mm. and all that stuff. And so, uh, so I'll probably do that sometime, uh, but not this second because there's, I'm out of time. <laughs> I can't do everything. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't see you. I can't see you. 
I can't see you slowing down anytime soon. So that's a, that's a, that's a good well, trait not. to have, Dennis. I hope not. I love what I do. I'm like you. I, you know, I, you saw my, you read my article in, uh, in Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global, uh, where yeah. I said I want to die, I want to die on a Friday night so I can get a whole week of work in, right? I'm sure you feel the same way, Jeff. When I talk to you, I think the same thing about yeah. you. I think you thank God for Mondays, you know? Yeah, awesome. my big fear is not dying. My fear is not getting what I want to get done before I die. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and, and some people would say, you know, wow, you know, you could just coast. It's like, that's my nightmare. I, I, I don't want to just coast. I, I'm like, you know what? I'll yeah, wanna, exactly. I, be, I, I agree. Be in the middle, right? I agree. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, well, listen, Dennis, I... I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your friendship. And obviously you were a part of the early brainstorming sessions when I was trying to get the book out there. Um, I told you the day I hired you as my publicist, I would never look how many books I sold. And I can tell you we're coming up on the one year anniversary and I've never one time looked how many books I've sold. I feel <laughs> if I did that, I would I would lose the reason why I wrote it. The reason why I wrote it was not to become a best-selling author or to make any any lists. The reason I did it was to help people. And I think it's, I think it's working well, in that manner. Well, let me just say this, Jeff, that one of the things that Susie and I decided 10 years ago was we would never fill slots in our publicity business. That if, that if, when we talk to people, uh, we have a very specific way of doing what we do. And I like talking to the author first. I want to hear where your heart is and all this stuff. And, and, and the reason we wound up working together and we even proposed on that book is because of the amazing conversation yeah. that you and I had where I left there and I went down the hall to my wife and I said, we have to work with this guy. He's on a mission. Uh, he, he's, he knows what's important. He has his priorities straight. And, you know, if somebody calls me up and says, hey, I just want to I want to raise my speaking fees and I want to sell a million books and be on a New York Times list and all that. We just right. say no to that. Even if they have a their checkbook out, we're just not, I'm just, for, life's too short. I'm not interested in that. So, so bless you. I'm glad that we had the conversation and that you think the way you think, man, because that's making a difference in the world. And I'm really proud of you. So. And it's funny. It's funny you say that because someone asked me or said a comment to me about how like great it was. I was doing all these things to help people. And I said, well, but you're missing something really important. I'm helping myself first. You know, there, there's right. a reason why on an airplane, when there's turbulence, that the oxygen mask comes down, that you don't put it on your kids first. You put it on you first. This whole That's thing right. is really about making sure that, that I stay on this earth. And I don't, I don't um, you know, I, I have to stay strong. I, I have two boys that look up to me. Yeah. I, have, I have lots of people in my life that look up to me. And although I like saving other people, it's imperative I save Jeff Johnston first, and then I can start working on everybody else. Um, well, so look, again, don't, again, I, don't I kid thoroughly yourself. enjoy the what, conversation, you know, and uh, you, you I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, look, don't kid yourself. Getting to wake up every day and do what you're called to do every day, there's, there's the joy in that and the um, satisfaction of doing that salves your soul in a way that nothing else can do. And so, you know, God bless you. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that every day because that's, that's part of what's say, that's what's helping you. And you know that. And so 
you know, the other choices don't really oh, yeah. work that well. So good for you. Well, listen, man, um, I love you like a brother. Appreciate the help, um, all the support you're doing. I'm going to reach out to you next summer for sure and see if I can get some guidance as well as I go around the country uh, and meet a lot of people that I met on social media. So um, with that, um, how can people reach you, Dennis, if they want to contact you? So, you know, I'm not a, I'm not worried about giving out my 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 Gmail address. It's Dennis Welch, D-E-N-N-I-S-W-E-L-C-H, 1956 at gmail.com uh, and we'll have a new website pretty soon I hope in the next week or so for Welch it's called Welch Words Welch-Words.com uh, and that'll be for you know everything for the music and for the books and all that'll kind of be in one in one place and uh, and there'll be a way for us to, to uh, you know connect with people because that's what I care about I, it's like it's about you know it's great to sell books and music but it's it's better to connect with people, so we're trying to figure out how to make that happen best. But um, uh, hopefully soon. Well, listen, um, appreciate appreciate everything you're doing, man. I, re I really enjoyed getting to know you the last uh, year and a half. And uh, with that, uh, thanks to everybody that has been following the Living Undeterred Project, and I very much appreciate the comments and support. And we are just getting started, so. Um, as I end every show, please, as always, live undeterred. Thank you very much. <laughs>